I think that, that could be our music. Oh, don't. No. <laughs> You're listening to Leader FM, a weekly talk show for intelligent leaders and executive coaches reaching for the next level. Leader FM is hosted by executive coach Dr. Scott Francis and marketing media man Tony Creech. This episode of Leader FM is brought to you by Advanced Leadership Coaching and TheCreechLeague.com. This week on Leader FM, Dr. Scott and Tony talk about epistemology, theory of knowing and leadership. Where do you get your information from, and why is this foundational for leaders? Hello, world. You're listening to episode number 000. We're coming to you live from the Great White North, an American and a Canadian hand in hand. <laughs> and we believe that you are ready for the next level. So let's get going today. It's so good to chat with you, Scott. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Tony. What do you have happening this week in your world? Uh, in my world? You know, I get to go farming right after this podcast. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I got a call with my brother-in-law. He took over the family farm. And uh, so... He's, it's seeding time, oh. and I get to go harrow. It's going to be a harrowing day. Nice. So they put the seed in, and then after you come by with these little scratchy things, big, huh. big. Um, uh, they look like basically a hairbrush that nice. you drag over the ground, and it and it it fills in all the little cracks that are where the seeds are. And the great thing now is that these tra- these tractors they steer themselves, mm-hmm. so you just got to point it in a straight line. And so I'll have my laptop out. Working on my website, uh-huh. you know, and hopefully I, I, I have enough attention when I get down to the end of the, the row to look. There's a little alarm that goes off. Don't yeah. do that if you're driving a car. <laughs> it's like those, those new GPS things are changing the face of farming. You know, without those, you'd be exhausted within like 12 hours. But now you can you can go a couple more hours a day. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably true. Yeah, and it it's is. probably worth it for just those two hours. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also, it, it's great because you're not overlapping as much. You only overlap like an inch or two. So you save money. And then you can also clap along to the music because <laughs> with both your hands, it's easier. <laughs> I don't listen to music, only podcasts. <laughs> so when you're talking about harrowing, that, harrowing. Sound, that sounds a bit like uh, what those guys were doing in that movie Spaceballs. You're combing the desert. Go- <laughs> <laughs> Trying to find those people. There you are. I'm combing Saskatchewan. <laughs> it's that time of year then. Yeah. Seeds are going into the ground. Seeds, they, they spent the last couple of days putting them in. Uh, so we're going to do a quarter section of land, a quarter mile by a quarter mile. How do you decide and, like when to start? Is it like gar- like a home garden? Do you have to wait till you know it's not going to freeze? Is that the thing? Uh, is there just certain crops you, that you can put in early? This is not something that should be on a podcast, but I'll tell you anyways. <laughs> You go out to the back 40, at least this is what I was told. I've never done this, but you go out to the back 40, drop your trousers and sit down in the dirt. Uh, And if you can sit there for more than a minute, (laughs) then you know that the dirt is warm enough that you can start seeding. Supposedly, uh, that's the urban myth. I don't know if my dad ever did that. Grandma does it for us still. (laughs) (laughs) Today, our our topic this week is on something quite interesting, uh, and that's... Epistemology. Epistemology. Yeah. And isn't oh, that a great word? Oh, Just say it. Heck epistemology. Yeah. Epistemology. <laughs> 
critical for moving from here to there is where you begin and where you start from, who you are. Uh, that's that's true even before you get to the depth of something like epistemology. It's for for learning from others. It's am I really there? So like sometimes, especially with marketing, for instance, it's like there's a lot of things you could be doing. The question is, what do you have the ability to actually implement now? Not mm-hmm. what you have the ability to listen now. Some of my stuff I don't listen to myself because cost benefit ratio isn't there yet. That doesn't mean it won't be there. Mm. It means that I'm making that decision. Some of that's knowing yourself. I'm not going to beat myself up about not implementing something I just can't do right now because I'm already running at 100%. You have to start in the right place so that when it comes to planning, you're spending that time already instead of picking up every idea. That's why when people come, you know, the idea problem, hey, here's an idea. Well, I, I have a pile of ideas, actually. Yeah, I, set them, idea, I set them aside. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, how like you talk about the back burner? Yeah. I, oh man, I've got so many back burners. <laughs> and and uh, I think <laughs> epistemology oftentimes that's where it sits. You know, even though it's fundamental. Yeah, it's foundational. Um, and and questions about it's fantastic. <laughs> oh boy, I wanted another F word. Sorry. <laughs> and I bet there was another F word <laughs> flying around, and like you just contain yourself, <laughs> curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. Well, first, why don't why don't we define what epistemology is? Yes. For, um, I'm sure most of our readers, they'll remember it from some of their courses that they've taken if they don't already have a really good, clear sense of it. But, mm. but it, 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 epistemology is um, that study of how you know what you know. Mm. So how do you know that the world is round? Mm. Um, you know, how do you know that the sun is going to rise tomorrow? Yeah, it's about the theory of the knowledge itself. It's not about the knowledge. It's about the mm-hmm. how do you get that knowledge? Yeah, it's like the nature and the scope of what knowledge, quote unquote, is. Yes, how you come to it. Yeah, uh, do you believe that we can know everything? If you fundamentally b- believe that we can't know everything, that ch- that changes everything. Yeah. What does that have to do with being a leader? Scott? I think that's a very important question because I bet you there's about uh, 50% of our audience that are about to click off of the podcast and say, roll your eyes and say, yeah, seriously, this has anything to do with leadership. But let, you know what? Let me lay it out Lencioni this way. doesn't have a book on this, does he? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Death by epistemology. <laughs> um, okay. So here's, let's use a scenario. Uh, right off the bat here, you've got um, some sort of situation you're trying to deal with, trying to decide um, whether to hire somebody or not, okay, Mm -hmm. or any, just think of any quandary you've been in, in leadership. How do you make that decision? Um, You know, one of the first things you do typically is, is combine everything you know about that issue, Yeah. you know, pros, cons, um, what data is there? Um, What is my gut instinct on this? And you bring Mm -hmm. all the data you can to it, and then you're, you're still looking for that decision, mm-hmm. you know, and, and depending what your personality is, you, you can take you a while to make it or you're going to make it right now. Mm-hmm. But um, in leadership, quite often we're making decisions without all the knowledge we really need. Mm. You know, you're, you're, we're yes. not really 100% sure that this is the right way to go, yet we still have to decide. Yes. You know, and, and, um, and so how sure do you need to be? Mm-hmm. You know, and you could say a percentage. I know a friend of mine, um, he was a police officer, and he said sometimes when they're making an arrest, they're only about 30% sure that this guy was the one who did this crime. Yeah. You know, but that's enough for them to make the arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so epistemology then, it gets a little bit deeper then. It's not just the, the either or, the yes, it was true or it's not true, but it gets even deeper to the question of what is truth. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you know, it's, it's not a joke question because when you're trying to make a decision about somebody to hire, you may say, I get the feeling that they're somewhat sociopathic. <laughs> okay. Most people I try to hire are, <laughs> are sociopathic. And, and you may say, you know, so obviously it's a no. Yeah. Right. But are they sociopathic? What is sociopathy when it comes to <laughs> organizations? I mean, quite often people have made the argument that our organizations are sociopathic mm-hmm. just by nature. So um, yeah. it comes down to this. Is the truth about this individual or this situation or this or making a, a business decision, is there a absolute fundamental truth that you can hang your hat on and say, yes, we can decide this way? Or mm-hmm. does it come down more to the way people are feeling about it? Mm-hmm. How much of the decisions that we make are actually based upon something that, that you cannot measure? Mm-hmm. And that isn't really something that exists in, in matter. Okay. So uh, you think about uh, politics. Mm-hmm. Who is the right party to be in power right now? Oh, it's easy. <laughs> Don't say it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get lots of, lots of responses, but you know, I mean, someone may make the argument that the right party is the one that gets all the, that gets the majority votes. Yes. So that obviously whoever gets the majority votes is the right party, quote unquote, yeah. um, you know, where someone else would say, it's not necessarily that they are the right party or the best party, but they are a good choice for this time. Um, and, uh, when we look at it that way, there's a very different lens that we're looking at life with. So why don't we get into some of the more specifics then about how yeah. it plays out? Because I think that there's a lot of leaders that feel like if if they can't have all the knowledge, like how much time should I spend? That should be extremely limited. I should be very decisive because I'm not going to have anything anyway. Mm-hmm. And business is luck. So let me just let me just ignore trying to make hard decisions. Yeah, yeah. That I think you got. There's two sides of that spectrum. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you look at Myers Briggs um, personalities, the J and the P. What's that? Or on either side of those. <laughs> what's Myers Briggs and what's JP? Um, you know, yeah. the, the J's want to make the decision faster. Yep. They want to and judge. the P's want to make sure they get more data. Um, so the P can set leave a major decision off for years, and the J is just going snaky. Let's make the decision now already. So all the P's are the people that are listening. <laughs> they want more data. <laughs> yeah, more data. I'm not I'm not convinced yet. <laughs> so now when it comes to your sense of truth. This also comes into play then with how you're going to make this decision. Because if you believe wholeheartedly that the truth is out there for all things, then that belief, you're going to hold out perhaps yeah. until you have it. Or you're going, to, you're going to say, you know what? We're never going to know. So let's just make mm-hmm. a decision and it really doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think to a degree, we get ourselves into a rock and a hard place uh, unwittingly. Because we, we have adopted that kind of, of methodology to our decision-making. Yeah. So there's so, a lot of history here. <laughs> My, yes, I, I, I have a philosophy friend. He uh, got his philosophy degree from Stanford, uh, his PhD. And whenever I would start talking about this kind of stuff, he'd roll his eyes. Because he knows uh-huh. I'm, I'm grossly um, summarizing things it. And yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. At the end of the day, you, you people, you experts like you... <laughs> <laughs> And you guys need to take the deep dive and bring something back for us. I appreciate that. 
And I say that being a P because I'll, I'll probably just read your papers then. <laughs> <laughs> I can wait. I'll get more data later. <laughs> Let's go back to the start of the start, at least in terms of Western civilization. This begins with Descartes, right? Well, before Descartes. So before that, we had a period of time where people got a sense of what they know about life, mm-hmm. typically from sources of authority. Yes. So um, I guess I, I, guess I was referencing the idea of even thinking about like, Oh, I see. In the Western perspective of thinking about thinking. Right. Of course, we've all, since humans have been around, we've been doing this. But like, so as you were saying, pre-Descartes or pre-Enlightenment, there was, like, even if you are listening to this thinking, I don't, I don't need to think about that because I don't have an opinion. You do have an opinion. Mm -hmm. And, and these things are, you move in a huge herd of rats, <laughs> so to speak. So before You're Descartes... Right. You are right. So go, go ahead. Everybody, I'll, I'll you continue. Everybody has an epistemology. Yeah. They just may not have any idea that that's what it is. And because it's so core to everything you do, to not spend any time on that, since it is the spring from which all these other decisions, even from which emotions come out of, it's like in the hierarchy, it's deep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pre-Descartes, um, the way humans typically looked at knowledge, and this is, again, a very, very simple overstatement here. Sorry, sorry experts. <laughs> um, it, a lot of it was based on authorities or superstition. You know, so you had, um, you had people that said it's raining because it's just the nature of water to fall. Mm-hmm. Um, you, had, uh, you, know, you had your biblical texts and the Quran and, and mm-hmm. things like this, mm-hmm. um, prophets, priests. Um, and, and they would give a, a declaration and that's just the way things were. So then whenever somebody had a different idea, Mm -hmm. oftentimes they got burned at the stake, not because the idea was a bad idea, but because they were going against authority when they said it. So it was, it was almost political. It's kind of like business today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, quite often truth, truth is, was political or religious. Yes, um, and that's that in, in this that whole era, right? That is, that whole era you're talking about is that is that like pre-modernism, that just, sense it, of pre-modern, we use that language, yeah, like pre-modernism yeah. Or, or a sense of just trust, the trust mm. authority, trust the authority. Yeah, I trust the authority. Yeah. It's well, it's kind of like I think Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton, pointed this out about his own birth, that that uh, he he doesn't have any proof that he was actually born on the day his parents claim he was born on. There's no real, but he says, you know, I have to take it on authority. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and cause sometimes it feels like we're completely outside of that, uh, the way we systemize, systematize knowledge. But, uh, anyway. Well, and it's also, you're right. It's, it's, it's a part of, um, human development. Like it's in the early stages of our life that we, we just trust it because mommy and daddy said so. Yeah. So it's truth. But then we, we kind of, outgrow that when we start realizing that mommy daddy don't know everything and they won't give me the cell phone i want (laughs) right right but teacher knows better or 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 my friend my friend jack with the tattoo knows better yeah yeah and and um so that that was that stage of life that 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 uh, history it that changed though um around the time of descartes um and if you if you can look back on your your history of philosophy Mm -hmm. um Descartes is the one who said famously cogito ergo sum. And I know I pronounced that wrong, I'm sure. Somebody... Uh, Latin? Yeah, <laughs> Cogni- somebody who knows Cognito. Latin, call in or, yeah. or email in and tell me how to pronounce it. But the gist of it means, I think, therefore I am. And really, if you strip it back, it was more so I doubt. And I know that I'm doubting. So the only thing that I can be certain of is that I doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, where he started was not on tradition, but mm-hmm. rather putting human 
thought as the center. Mm-hmm. And then from that came a whole um, outflow of rational thinking and also empirical thinking. So empiricism means to measure and to know because of measurement. Mm-hmm. So you had the rationalists and the empiricists, some were in Europe and some were in, in England. And this started your, your enlightenment mm-hmm. where the, um, all of these superstitions were thrown out and in came science and, and ideas of understanding the world based upon measurement and human rational thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so in that season, you had, I like the, the term where people use positivism. Mm-hmm. Positive, that doesn't mean that you're an optimist. It means that truth to you is something that you can posit. You can make a statement and that statement will correspond perfectly to what is in reality in the world. So I say, um, the world is a sphere. Is that true or not? Yes, no. You know, it's either false or it's true. And that is a posit. So it was an amazing thing to bring to the world when it was previously based upon superstition and authority. And, and we, I mean, we came a long ways on that epistemology. Yeah. And that, so, and that covers, that's like positive, positivism is sense so sensory experience math like logic so it's kind of both physical things and rational kind of thought like if those things are the sole authoritative source of knowledge Mm -hmm. yeah that's positive yeah and so then when that and that's also and 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 that's part of like the beginning of modernism so to speak you know widely known as modernism and skepticism skepticism would say how do we really know that because they were following that line of thinking is it really part of sensory experience is it really logical is it really Mm -hmm. mathematical Mm -hmm. so now take this into your leadership sphere um you know it's fun to have the conversation at this uh, this you know forty thousand foot level but where does this actually play out then in how you deal with a quandary well if you believe that all truth can be reduced to a a statement that is either false or not false, Mm -hmm. then you'll look at everything with this, through that lens that says someone comes into my office and they're upset because something happened. Tell me your story. And you're looking through it with a truth or not truth lens, Mm -hmm. right? They're either lying, deluded, or they're telling the truth. Um, and so then you have to decide one way or the other, guilty or not guilty. Yeah. You know. And what's more is that, that you, you come to think of your job as doing that. Mm-hmm. That that's your job. So you need, to, you need to decide guilty or not guilty. Yeah. True yeah. or not true. True or not true. Right or wrong. Yeah. And so it's quite absolutist. Um, now, now we're getting at some of the negative things of it. Some of the brilliant things about it are that it, it threw off a lot of the the superstition that was really holding us back from developing as a, as a society. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and a lot of business and, and organizations these days, that is, that is the overarching epistemology that's part of, of yeah. what's going on there. Now, it, it were great until, well, I'm, I'm, again, I'm radically uh, yeah. <laughs> boiling this down, but when the world wars happened, all of a sudden people became quite disillusioned with it 
Mm. And I think rightly so, because you had, you had these, these warring philosophies of life. You had um, fascism on one side, communism on the other side, capitalism in this epic struggle, and they all three are claiming to be, quote, right. Yeah. And, um, and using this, this modernistic, uh, positivistic kind of epistemology to justify why they are killing millions of people. Right, losing mm-hmm. control. We, I mean, the, the world went mad, and and from the philosophers or the people that were in the death camps, uh, especially a lot yes. of the French, um, after the war was over, there was this kind of post-apocalyptic kind of um, funk that that people were disillusioned, saying, "Okay, that epistemology really has some danger to it." It's mm. black and white thinking about things that, let's be honest, you guys, it's not that black and white. And so then you had, you had some of the postmodernist thinkers, um, some of the, um, the existentialists. And, uh, if you want, you can Google all these terms. <laughs> They're all kind of playing for the same team. Um, but they basically were saying, you know, there's some flaws with positivism. And one of the big things is if you're trying to answer a question that doesn't have a black and white answer. So... I can, I can tell you how far the distance is from the earth to the sun. Well, I could Google it mm. and it's absolute, you know, totally, totally. But today I can't tell you how much you love your daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. I bet you do, but it's a question. Like, like if I was mm. to ask you on a scale of one to 10, you would give me a number mm-hmm. and it probably is a 10. 11. 11. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this one goes to 11. <laughs> um, but, but answering a question like, um, who is who is a good party to vote for? What should we do with nuclear waste? What you know? How are we going to deal with this quandary? And more so when you get into things like brands mm-hmm. and and the way that a society thinks about stuff. A lot of this stuff can't be answered with a black and white answer, with a mm. with a piece of truth, a posit of truth. Mm-hmm. Instead, we realize that we are constructing this idea of what is real. Mm-hmm. So your experience is very different than my experience. If we were to talk about this podcast tomorrow and say, what was Mm -hmm. it like for you, you know, or what happened there, you would have a different story than I would. And who's right? Well, to the positivist, one of us is right and one of us is wrong, or we're both wrong. Yes. But we can't both be right. To, To this new form of epistemology called constructionism or constructivism, I've heard it both ways, the understanding is that Truth is something that we build ourselves. It becomes a construct within our own mind. Now, I know there's a whole lot of people who maybe wanted to click off here, but just hang on. (laughs) Uh, Hang on, because I think you realize when you look at what's going on, why did you choose the smartphone that you have? Did you choose whether you're Apple or whether you're Samsung or whoever, Mm -hmm. whichever your choice was, was it because you knew something absolutely or was it because of the brand and what somebody else said and, and who your, what your friends were buying? Mm-hmm. So I think there's certain personalities that would have made that choice based upon a positivistic epistemology. And there's a whole lot of others, myself included. I realized that I chose the one that is in my pocket based upon my, my constructed ideal of what everybody else around me is saying is the best phone. Yes, they're right. And they're, <laughs> yeah, you know what phone's in my pocket. It's, it's, but it's, you know, to a degree, it's this whole group of people that have constructed this dream yeah. of what 
is the best and then they they overemphasize that the other one is crap and mm-hmm. but it's a it's a construct so in a degree we we build our truth yeah and then it builds us a little bit of Marshall McLuhan in there uh, now. Yes, the other, some From of that. Kierkegaard yeah. to Marshall McLuhan. Now, again, mm-hmm. my philosopher friends are going to just roll their eyes and say, Scott, you could have like said that way better. But where does this hit leadership? That's a big question. Well, I think, um, I mean, I saw, I'm, let, let the non-expert. <laughs> yeah, you Scott, asked the question. S- stand back. <laughs> stand back, expert man. Uh, so, if humans generate knowledge and meaning out of something because i feel like existentialism even postmodernism they talk about meaning almost more than truth mm-hmm. instead of meaning being just latent in a book or in something it's it happens in the interaction with it mm-hmm. it's so important for leadership because it's not that it's not like that was the past and this is now all these these things are all existing together in our world there's people that do that work with trust people that work with skepticism people that work with an absolute an utter suspicion mm-hmm. yeah when you try to do a business like a merger if you're trying to do things like work with other people getting on the same page about how you both generate meaning like working with a board working with your boss how are we going to work together and negotiating that success? A lot of it begins with knowing that you're actually, you're looking at a position or work from the same place. So this is, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm jumping out of jumping into extremely everyday land, but help me build the bridge there. Well, I I think you're totally right. Everyday land, like in a, in a merger, if it's, let's say you've got one person who is a, is a dyed in the wool positivist. Yeah. When they start talking merger, they're going to be talking about who we cut, who we don't, mm-hmm. what's right, what's wrong. This person is good for the company. This person is bad for the company. You know, mm-hmm. and now I'm getting really black and white here. And they know the numbers they, th- they think they want to see. Yeah, Whether that ends up being tr- like true about the merger or not. And some people approach a merger saying, do, do they, is this a culture fit? Does this feel right? Mm. Yeah. And so let's say you've got, for example, one person who, um, you know, the staff are starting to grumble about this, right? Is that important or not? You know, they're starting to say something about, you know, oh, they're cutting people off and maybe they're going to cut it. You know? and, and, and so someone looking at it from a positivist lens would just say, well, that's just simply not true. And we need to tell them the truth. Laugh if you know somebody who said this. That's a good quote. <laughs> it's just not true. And, and then that becomes the solution is just give them the truth and that, that then solves the problem. Whereas someone who's looking at it through the constructivist lens um, even if they know, say they're in the, the top C-suite and they know we're not making any more cuts. Mm-hmm. We've got the people we want on the bus. We're mm-hmm. going just fine. And the staff are grumbling, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, to them, they would say, they would realize the staff are wearing a different set of glasses than we are. It's a different set of lens. The mm-hmm. staff are making a story. They're telling a story to themselves and they're constructing this reality. So whether you know that it's not true, that we're, like, we're done making cuts, mm-hmm. to that person sitting down there in the lunchroom, they completely believe that there's still more cuts to come. And to them, <laughs> that is their truth. They're going home and they're yep. not sleeping at night and they're Applying. developing an ulcer. <laughs> yeah. and, and to them, and, and we can say it's not true, but to them, it is true. That's the construct that is developed. Yes. And, and so then what happens is, I just was working with a company who was struggling with this, because that is their truth, 
some people start quitting. They start looking for jobs elsewhere. Yes. Because they, they quote unquote, know that there's cuts coming, yep. regardless if you tell them yes or no. Yeah. To them, that is the truth. So better get out of the way because this company is, mm-hmm. you know, on its way to hell in a handbasket, whatever they're going to say. So the constructivist is now thinking about what kind of, what kind of truth are we going to construct? Mm-hmm. So there's a great uh, whole theory around this called communities of practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll probably spend some more time on that in, in further podcasts. But the positivist would combat this by speaking truth. The constructivist... That's a quote-unquote truth. Truth in quotes. Quote in, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, capital letter truth. <laughs> right? Whereas, whereas the constructivist is going to realize that it, that I need to help them construct a different reality. And they're mm-hmm. going to have to prove to them that it's, that it's mm-hmm. different. They're, so, so, so let me, let me uh, ask you, Scott, if this, if it, this probably shows you exactly which camp I come from. Okay. Because in terms of marketing, advertising, communications, uh, the, this epistemology stuff is really at, at the bedrock of the way people look at communication with each other. And as companies look at advertising their products, for instance, uh, if you can look at some people look at things and they're like, we tell the customer this, because this is the truth that they're going to get this. And they, their theory of communication comes from that modern era, that, that sense of this message gets written and it goes over into this person's brain and they, they get that exact message. Like you write out the seven digits, the seven digits goes into their brain. It's a very, I don't want to get too deep into communications theory, but it's very direct. Right. So it's like sending an email. Yeah. It gets a perfect copy and it's up in the other person's That's, brain. And, and we think about communication working in that way. And, and media forms like email help that delusion. Mm. But if you've ever been misunderstood over email or a text message, you'd realize how just how not one-to-one it is. And basically, like marketing functions on this idea of constructivism because, uh, you know, if I think if you're a diehard messaging guy, and you would, one of the things you'd repeat to yourself often is it's not what you say, it's what they hear. Mm. It's what they hear, it's not what you say. It's what, the, and yeah. what that's. And the meaning and, and, that they yeah, draw from it. it the, and the, all that saying, and it's in, ter- in the language we've been talking about today, it's that they're going to construct meaning themselves. It's not, I, I don't just say the truth and they pick it up and they see the identical truth and zeros and ones. That's just not true. Yeah. It just, you know, you might wish it was sometimes when you're, ta- when you're talking to your <laughs> wife or your spouse of any kind, um, but it's not. They, people are going to construct a story and marketing well is understanding the shift and understanding mm. that your customers are telling themselves, they're, 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 these things are getting generated by experiences, not from just slogans. You, tell, you thinking in capital T truth doesn't, cha- doesn't do anything for them because you'll say this, but question is what are they hearing when you say that well it depends on them mm-hmm. depends on where they're from mm-hmm. you might say uh like that's it, the joke on this is and the joke is a little too fatalistic but the the, the joke on this is does this dress make me look fat <laughs> and the, the point that you feel like well there's no right way to answer that question dear yeah. uh and it, it the joke is is that uh, sometimes we're in situations where communication, where you, where, you, where that that divide opens up, and you realize that it's not what you hear. It's not. It's not. I mean, it's not. It's what they hear, not what you say. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can answer. You can say, "It looks great," and they'll be like, 
but not fantastic, huh? Yeah, you, know? you, <laughs> you, you paused when you said that. And they, they yeah, break it down. Exactly. Yeah. You can't, there's no writing an email to get yourself out of this question because that whole experience, experience of even just being in a relationship with you and asking that question is part of the meaning of the answer, regardless mm. of what you said. You like, it doesn't matter what comes out of your mouth. You might, your wife might be reading it on your face or from the other things you said earlier this week. Sometimes I answer the question the right way. And because of yesterday, I'm still hooped. <laughs> Your wife is pretty, usually pretty rational, though, eh? Uh, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, we'll talk more in, in subsequent podcasts, probably more. And I'd, I'd be interested to hear what questions people have, because I know I've just really oversimplified this. Mm-hmm. But where it really comes down to um, today's culture, the older, typically, this is statistically now, the older people are, the more they would lean more towards the positivist kind of view of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, the younger generation, particularly those that are just getting out of high school now, very much towards the constructivist reality. Mm-hmm. Um, your Facebook page is a, is a real reflection of who you are in the current moment. Yeah. But you can totally construct your Facebook page. You know, <laughs> you know business has changed. It's, it's not the industrial era. The, mm-hmm. That means the, rule change, the rules change. And the way you think about employees radically changes. In the internet-connected era in this era where people uh they they're valued throughout the organization they're not going to accept they're not going to accept them receiving messages on some just just from on high yeah. on some company stamped paper yeah here comes our moses ceo who's going to tell us what the truth is and and then quietly we're all going to go out later and talk about what it's really like yeah and yeah. You, they, they receive that and they feel devalued because they see meaning as something that's constructed together. And a lot of managers are struggling with that. They see pe- people sound entitled. And, what, re- yeah, and what, yeah. what it really is, is that they just, they, they're coming out about it from a totally different angle. Yeah, they want to be participants. And their, yeah. need, their needs are different. They are different. And you can throw them out and try to look for more positivists. <laughs> this is like the pronunciation game podcast. <laughs> but you can throw them out, but those aren't going to be the people that are going to lead you into the next era. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows, there may be another epistemology following, um, you know, what, what we're yeah. currently in. I'm sure there will be. There's others we'll probably get into. There's, there's, um, there, there's so many more theory, yeah, there's, there's feminist theory, you know, yeah. um, but, but for now, I think this is a good one to get into. And, and for a leader to develop themselves, um, you want to develop this p- capacity for reflective thinking. And this is the, one of the foundations for that mm. to be aware of what lens you're thinking with. Reflective thinking to a positivist is by nature leaving that a little bit, is it not? To admit to be wearing a lens, I'm I'm thinking the practice of looking at these lenses is the belief in multiple lenses or multiple versions of meaning. It really helps um, that we don't fall into a trap of assuming that one of these epistemologies is better than the other. Although I certainly have a bias, it depends on what the question is that you're asking. If you're asking a question of, you know, do I love somebody? Well, now you're asking something that is definitely a constructivist kind of question. Yes. If you're asking, um, what is this person's blood pressure? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's definitely a, a positivistic kind of question to answer. Um, and, uh, and I think it's, it's really important for us not to completely choose one or the other or reject one of these. 
but rather to become um, epistemic bilingual. Mm -hmm. That we're able to think in both and even wear both lenses at the same time. Um, and then that leads to a much more robust, uh, effective and safe, uh, reflective capacity. Do you take people through specific questions to drag this out of them? Is this, for you, this is a fundamental part of coaching, is understanding where people come from in this regard? Or, I will or do often, you deal with, is it a problem thing? It, it is. It depends what the problem is. They're, you're right, what yeah. they're looking at. If, if they're trying to answer a nonspecific problem and they're coming at it with the positivist epistemology, I'll sniff that out and, and I'll start to ask them questions that are more um, constructivist. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that quite a few really struggle to make that leap. Um, yeah. I don't usually want to get into it. When, you know, let's not, we don't, let's not talk about Descartes or anything like that. But, yeah. um, um, but there are other times though where you can just tell that someone just does not have the capacity to think in the other epistemic language. Mm. And as a coach, I think... I think there, this is the art. Sometimes it's going to help to start to stretch them in that area. And other times it's too, it's too much work. The return on investment that you're going to spend to help them to make this radical shift. Uh, you know, if you've only got seven sessions, it's going to take you three or four sessions to get there. Maybe it's not worth it. getting to the end of our time here for today so let me throw back at you what i'm hearing and you can help me understand okay okay so number one there's a guy who had a cart <laughs> just kidding pre-descartes pre-enlightenment uh things were based on trust authority. authority yeah people authority is what dictated truth um from there, we have these different lenses that come up. So in general, you're saying there are lenses, ways of seeing the world that are fun so fundamental, they color everything a certain color, like a red, you know, like mm -hmm. a red yeah. looking glass will color everything red. Um, and then, and you have this positivism that comes from, uh, again, the sense of that you, that things, the things that are only true, things that can be shown logically and mathematically and proven through sensory experience. That's the primary source of knowledge. And yes. that leads to a certain kind of decision-making and absolutism in your decision as, as a leader, deciding people are either going to be bad or good. They're on, well, then they're off the team. If they don't want to, if they, if they don't want to be on board, then they're off. Right. Now it's not necessarily cruel though. Like, yeah. like they may, they may say, yes, they're not good for the team. And then they, they go about it in a, in a very way. A good way, you know, a helpful way, you know, they're not going to, I'm making thing, them but. sound like a bad guy in a cartoon for right. sure. Right. And then, and you know, that's, that's, I'm, I'm sorry. But, but you're right in saying that bad. there's, the, there's, there's a sense that truth is absolute. Yes. The truth exists out there. Then you have this postmodernism and this idea of the constructivist thinking that, builds knowledge through in, in, in meaning through interactions and experiences mm -hmm. with other people with, uh, ex experiencing a life. So they, that it's generated, uh, it's something that's generated or constructed yeah. by the person, but, and the things that happen in their life. It's not just, it's not a determinism from the outside, like in the environments determining things. It's that they, these things contribute and build together. Mm -hmm. Some people use the term, a social construction of reality. Mm -hmm. We as a group we love that. construct what we think the world is. And uh, yeah, I mean, you see that in politics, you see that in religion, you see that in romance, you see that in mm. almost it, everything. It's a good thing aspect. it doesn't affect beauty. 
<laughs> of course. Uh, and then, so what, and what you're saying is the bottom line on this is that for me, it needs, it needs to depend on the question. You're saying we need to become bilingual, bilingual, epistemically bilingual. Yes. If I could talk. <laughs> yes. And, and, uh, that basically don't choose either or recognize there's some things that happen on trust. Mm. Authority works yeah. lots of times. Yeah. Any kind of relationship is that to a degree. Mm. You don't start off knowing each other for 30 years. You just never do. In terms of like business and trust and how much lack of trust costs businesses mm. is outrageous. It's outrageous the spending that happens. But uh, sorry, to go back to the idea of different, you, the idea was different languages. So you're saying pick these up as different languages. Be able to speak them all. Speak them all. Yeah. yeah and speak them all because they, they work. They, they each, one's not necessarily a king king of the castle all the time sometimes it's really important to pull that positivist lens and say what are the numbers yeah yeah uh and and then there are parts of the job that are constructivist where you say actually how are how is it how are they generating this meaning yeah and how am i contributing that what are they hearing how can we build meaning together and you ask constructivist questions kind of like what we're doing yeah to yeah. be honest and i think it's it's not just that you can speak in that language but you can also think in that language mm. so to, to bi be bilingual in your language i was i i learned quite a bit of romanian when i was younger and i soon started to dream in romanian and i when i would wow. count i could count in romanian and i wasn't hearing <laughs> the word one two three in my head when i was saying the romanian words for numbers and i think it's the same with this you want to you want to understand how people think as positivists and as constructivists and yes. also yourself be able to flip that switch inside of you and ask yourself positivist questions and constructivist questions mm. you know what is the meaning and what is the truth mm. and sometimes you can't answer one or the other but mm -hmm. it's a great way to come at any kind of quandary that's that's brilliant i think that uh now that i know you, you uh, speak romanian this changes everything <laughs> i forgot most of it <laughs> have you been to Romania? I've been to. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah. I was there about four or five times. Yeah. I didn't know. You, I didn't know that. I've been mm -hmm. to Romania. What part of Romania were you at? Um, I was in Transylvania. Yeah, in I area. was up through that. I was up in that area. Yeah, yeah, For sure. And I was down in the Black Sea, right along the. I, I didn't the go ocean. all the way to the. Oh, it's sea. beautiful. Yeah, and it, right in uh, Constanza, and uh, and then um, in the capital yeah. of Bucharest. Yeah. yeah, that's sweet. I went on a crazy date. And I was in a Romania. Crazy it's a Romania. Oh yeah, oh, it's romantic. It's almost as romantic as Saskatchewan, <laughs> the Paris of the North. We like to take a little bit of time every week to give you a related resource, something that you can take and either go deeper with what we're talking about or some kind of a tool for your day. This week's resource comes from myself, and it is OmniFocus. OmniFocus is an app for the Mac, the iPad, the Apple Watch, and the iPhone, and it's a GTD system-based to-do list. It's amazing and very thorough. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we talk about speaking different languages. I use this app because it's based on David Allen's getting things done method of getting things done, and I use this precisely because I'm not like that. I need that system. I need to... In order to be better at execution, I need to yeah. be doing things in a different way, in the way that works for other people as well as myself. 
So if you're into the getting things done method of to-do management, or if you're just interested in super powerful to-do list, OmniFocus is your bet as projects. It can do things by locations and contexts. It's really complex and you can kind of make of it whatever you need it to be. I'll remind you again that this is a resource. They are not a sponsor. This is just one of the things that we use, I use, and I like. And are, are uh, PC users out in the lurch? They can't use it? Uh, I, don't, I do not have a PC alternative at this time. <laughs> well, your bias is showing. <laughs> you cannot tell what products I use. <laughs> well, if you're in business, you should have an iPad. So, so you should right, get yeah. OmniFocus. Uh-huh. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you that enough. And, I, and speaking of things that make people roll their eyes, I know. <laughs> well, I'll try it. So, out. I'll, I'll, I'll try it this week or maybe next week. Uh, there's other apps like it. I, I'll try to look up some other apps. Maybe I'll put, if I can find something on the PC that also follows GTD, I'll put a link in the show notes or you can write in. All right. That's this, good. this show is not about us containing the capital T truth. <laughs> it's about us building meaning together. So Again, I'm going to let our, I'm going to let our listeners, uh, send us an email to tell us the truth <laughs> and I will accept that truth. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us this week. You can find Scott at advanceleadership.biz. On Twitter, he is at leaderadvance. I am at thecreech on Twitter, and you can find me at thecreech.net. Please send in all your comments, questions, and stories to leaderfm. If you go to the website, you'll see the contact form there. If you like the show, please take a moment and rate us on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing and share the love around. And thank you, Scott, for joining me. It was a ball. (laughs) You got it, buddy. See you next time.